Hello, everyone. This is John Montoya. And this is John Parings. We are Infinite Banking Authorized Practitioners and hosts of the fifth edition. Episode 65, What Problem Does IBC Solve? We get asked quite a bit, um, you know, is this is this strategy, infinite banking, right for my situation? And one thing I always think of right away to ask is, well, what problem or problems are you trying to solve? Is it, you know, are you trying to protect your family against the loss of your income? Are you trying to create a place for a rainy day fund or even an opportunity fund for investments? Uh, have you thought of the the need to create better control over your cash flow? Are you solving for that problem? Uh, are you looking to create a source of guaranteed passive income come retirement time? Uh, is leaving a guaranteed legacy for your family important to you? Uh, are you looking maybe to accelerate the payoff of debt, uh, possibly trying to reduce or eliminate taxes? And specifically, if you're coming to our podcast because of your interest in infinite banking, maybe you're here because you're looking to solve for the need uh, for financing in your life. So, John, let, let's let's kick off this episode. Uh, what do you want to hit on first? When you talked about um, the problem that what does IBC solve for us? So when people are asking that, you know, with infinite banking, you know, there's an official problem that we're trying to solve. And so as authorized infinite banking practitioners, I think it's important to touch on this because I think it gets a little bit lost in the shuffle sometimes with a lot of the kind of sensationalized like YouTube stuff that you see out there. There's a very specific problem we're trying to solve as authorized IBC practitioners and, you know, not to harp on the authorized part, but it does make a difference. We have a thing that we're trying to do. Infinite banking is a, is a, is a real thing that we're, we're trying to solve a problem. What's that problem we're trying to solve? Well, most Americans out there, uh, haven't, we all have a need for financing in our lives and really everyone else, everyone's, uh, sending money away. They're financing that through outside parties, fulfilling their need for financing. And when they do that, the interest that they pay flows away from them and into someone else's financial system. When you practice the infinite banking concept, we're creating the structure so that you can satisfy your own needs for financing throughout the course of your life. And the interest that gets paid for that flows back into your financial system. And so, you know, when we talk about the problem, that's one of the big problems that we're trying to solve um, when we practice infinite banking, we are trying to solve the need for financing. Because if you look at, if you look at, uh, the data out there, uh, it's something like around 35 cents of every dollar that you spend in your life is going towards servicing debt, right? So if you just look at your mortgage, look at your car payments, look at your credit card bills, you know, whatever it might be, um, 35 cents of every dollar on average in America is going towards simply servicing debt. What if we had a system that redirected the flow of some of that debt service back to where it benefits us? That's what we're doing with the infinite banking concept. And by the way, 
if you're one of those people that says, I don't have any debt, I pay cash for everything. Well, guess what? The rule is you finance everything you buy. You either pay interest to someone else when you use their money or you give up interest you could have earned when you pay cash. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help people understand how that works, how you can um, create this financial tailwind in your life where if we're if we're repositioning money and interest to go back into our financial lives to fulfill all of our financing needs, it's going to push you through um, your financial life uh, in a much more efficient manner. And so um, I think it's important to touch on that first. And then the rest of this episode, hey, by the way, (laughs) I'll say it again, by the way, it does all these other things that John Montoya just mentioned. And it does it by default. You have the option to do all these things that we just mentioned. So we're just going to kind of go through this list here. Um, and I'll kick it back over to John Montoya. How about protecting your family against the loss of your income? How is that a bad thing? Well, it's it's never a bad thing to protect your family. But there is one thing I, I thought of um, while you were talking that oh, I wanted cool. to share because you were, you were uh, making the listeners aware of the problem that we all have. And I thought to myself, well, how long do we have this problem? Right. And the answer is our entire life. Yes. I was just talking to someone yesterday, uh, a woman who's 49 years old with kids, and she was talking about, you know, her interest in IBC. And, and you know, I asked her, you know, what, what sparked her interest in getting started? And she was talking about the need for financing. And, you know, she was um, then going into retirement and how she's going to work for, you know, so many years. And I said, well, you know, you're, you're 49. How long do you plan to work for? And she said, well, you know, maybe uh, early 60s. And I said, OK, well, uh, do you think you're going to have a need for financing just until you retire in your early 60s? Or are you going to have a need for financing for the rest of your life? And she thought about it and she's like, well, for the rest of my life. And I thought, okay, well then let, let's, let's broaden the scope here. Instead of just looking at solving for your need for financing up until you retire, how long do you actually plan to live? And she kind of laughed because, you know, it, it's kind of a funny question, but we don't think in these terms of, well, you know, I plan to be around for the next three, four, five decades right? And what are we doing to solve for our need for capital for the, for the entirety of our life? So number one, be aware of the problem. And that's great that you are now aware of it, but how are you going to solve for it? And for how long are you going to solve for it? Because this isn't like you're, you're trying to just save until your golden years, years, and then, you know, problem solved. You need to solve for financing all the way through. That's right. So that was the point that I wanted to make there. And before we go on, you just made me think of something else. And so it is common that people are like, I'm trying to figure out how this can help in my life. You know, what, how do I do IBC? Like, what does it do for me? And, um, we always go back to this. You've, if you read the book, And, you know, I don't want to deflect and say that I'm not going to help people understand or anything like that, but the book is the source material and it goes, it goes a long way to understanding and and opening up your mind. I mean, I remember one of the things after I read that book the first time I started thinking of all kinds of things that I could do to make my financial system work more efficiently. And I think if more people, you know, 
really just read the book. And by the way, there's an audio version. You can listen to the book if you prefer. Um, it, it really, it really does help. And it's a, it's a, it's 90 pages. It really won't take you too long to read it, but it's a, it'll, you know, rather than asking someone how to do IBC and what it'll do for you, it's really, you know, I've heard other advisors say this and it's, it's a super important point. It's becoming your own banker, O-W-N, your own banker. So you have to be able to, you know, really think about some of these things on your own. And by the way, like as advisors, we're here to help you. But when it comes to implementing IBC, other, you know, once you go on the other side of the coin of strategically capitalizing with whole life insurance and you come down to like, what do you actually buy with your capital? Well, you know, we can help with that. But at the end of the day, the definition of an opportunity, I don't, I'm not going to recite the real definition because I don't know what I'll talking about, but a real opportunity is something that is specific to your local knowledge and your ability to take advantage of that opportunity. So a lot of the best opportunities is, are not going to come through somebody telling you like, Hey, I've got this thing that'll get you that rate of return or whatever. It, the best opportunities are the ones that only you can really take advantage of because you happen to be at the right place at the right time. And by the way, you've got a bunch of liquid capital, um, you know, sitting there ready to deploy because as Nelson said, you know, if you have cash opportunities, have a way of finding you. That's right. That's right. So let, let's now jump into the other bullet points that I started off the show with. And you brought up the first one, protecting your family against the loss of your income. Yep. Well, these whole life policies automatically are going to do that. And one thought that I had that I hadn't thought of before until recently, and it happened as I was paying the annual premium on one of my policies. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, you know what? This is the most adult thing that I can possibly do. I'm married, awesome. got three kids, yeah. and I'm going to pay this premium. And I feel really good about it because I am protecting my family and I am adding to this slush fund, you know, for whatever purpose this is right now, this is the most adult thing I can do by paying this premium and the, the death benefit, especially for, for IBC. I know a lot of people come into it and they say, well, you know, death benefits, not really that important for me, but I tell you what, it's the most adult thing that we can do. When, when you're married, you got a significant other, um, you have kids, um, and even going a little bit further too, it's also the most adult thing you can do for yourself. And that leads into, well, why is that? Because with, with IBC and, and these whole life policies, you're automatically creating a rainy day fund for yourself, Yes. Right. That is an adult thing to do. You, you, you are creating an opportunity fund where, you know, you just talked about it when opportunities come around, you know, it's going to find you because you have cash, right? That's right. This is seriously an adult thing to do, pay your premium every single year. And the longer you do it, the better off you're going to be. You know, you saying that, um, reminded me, you know, I have a few, a very few friends, you know, one of my best friends is a client of mine and he called me up the other day and he's like, Hey man, I just wanted to say thank you. You know, he's lived a, he's lived a pretty colorful life. He's done a lot of cool and kind of some crazy stuff. And, you know, he's just an awesome dude. And, uh, and 
he now feels he's, he said, you know, this is the one thing that I feel like I'm doing. That's like totally responsible, you know? And, and it's like, I just have a good feeling. I, I'm so happy knowing that I have this in place. And I just, you know, I didn't really realize it at the time when, I, when I first bought it, I just kind of bought it because the way you talked about it seemed like a good idea, but he's like, I love having this now. And, uh, you know, made me feel great, obviously, but even more important is the sense of peace that he has, um, knowing, you know, that he's building this asset. And I think a theme that we were already, a pattern we're detecting here already is that this asset is so crazy good. It handles on autopilot, all these things we're talking about right now. So I'll just say it up front, like automatically it does this and it does this and it does this. And we're, so we're just going to go through the list. And, uh, but it's like, you know, you hear people talk about, you know, why they like their 401ks or whatever. And they're like, yeah, well, I just, it's like, uh, I put my savings on autopilot. And it's like, yeah, that's, I guess, one feature of a 401k. You put your savings on autopilot into something that you can never touch it for the next 20 or 30 years. Right. And, uh, so it's like, how is that a good thing? So we're, we're doing the same, we're accomplishing the same thing, but doing it in a way that gives you a hundred percent control over what's happening. Um, you know, where the, the terms of everything are made up front, you know, what's happening with these, uh, with a whole life policy with this contract, right? Whereas you have no idea what's going to happen with your 401k. And even if you did, you can't even get to it for a while until you turn, you know, some arbitrary age with a 0.5 in it. And, uh, so anyway, as we continue on the list, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're hitting on better control of your cash flow. And, you know, the, the point that you're making there with the 401ks and IRAs is that you, you might be, uh, saving money in these accounts and on the surface of thing, that's, that's a good thing. But what you may not realize is the unintended consequences when life happens, yes, either good or bad, that money is restricted and, you know, you, you really have to jump through hoops to get access to it. So you, you don't really have control over that asset and you don't have control over your cash flow like you would with an IBC policy because when you take a policy loan I get this question asked quite a bit you know what what is the monthly payment I got to make back to to the right. policy and it's it's really just it's it's a new thought paradigm where yeah. I'm having to explain to people well you get to decide and right. I remind people, remember, this is becoming your own banker. You are the banker, right? So whether you want to pay back that policy loan in two years or, you know, 10 years, it, it doesn't matter. And it, it's, it's determined by you. You're, you're going to take a look at your cash flow and what's the best route, what's the best path to take to yeah. recapitalize your policy so you can take your next loan. Yeah, it's the, it, it gives you the ability to do exactly what is right for you at that time. And rather than having all these terms that are someone else's terms, you have terms that are your terms. I'll jump into the next one here. If, um, you know, having a guaranteed source of passive income, here's another, here's another great, uh, another great piece that I, I don't think people really realize, you know, these, these policies have guarantees and it, and it creates a source of income that it could, this income could be 
um, today if we need something, um, or if we, you know, if we need more income or it could be, and, or it could be when you get to that kind of retirement age, we don't really talk about, you know, how we like to retire around here, but a lot of people are going to, going to be retiring. Um, but how else can you have any kind of guarantees? You know, most people, again, putting their money into these 401ks, they have no idea what the return is going to be on the way up. Uh, when they're saving, they have no idea what the return is going to be uh, when they're taking money out. They have no idea what the taxes are going to be. Um, and one of the biggest problems is people taking money out in down markets and it totally will kill their their retirement account and they can absolutely run out of money. And so, um, and we've talked about this in the past, having some whole life insurance to go along with those investment investments, having both creates a better outcome than either one can do um, on their own. And so having the guaranteed passive income allows you to kind of roll with those down markets, giving you the guaranteed income while and giving your market investments a chance to catch up and, and come back up as the market goes up. So um, just a couple of examples of how guaranteed passive income could work. And by the way, again, it's all tax tax free if you do it right. Um, and you know, maybe you could do it and pay taxes on it as well. There, you know, you can, you can certainly withdraw above, you know, the total premium you've paid and you might pay some tax, not the end of the world, but you can also do it in a way where it's completely tax free the entire way. Yeah. Having more options come retirement or passive income time is always a goal that you should have. And you, you hit on a couple of different strategies, um, Sometimes it's called uh, volatility buffer. Um, yep. There's the covered asset strategy. Uh, then yep. there's the the rather um, simplified strategy. If you're just utilizing a whole life policy to um, create passive income, you can withdraw down to your basis, what you've contributed into the policy. And then once you reach that basis, you can then take policy loans for income. And then there, there's also the option to annuitize a portion mm -hmm. of your cash value into a guaranteed income stream for as long as you live. So you get all these options by having a whole life policy. If all you do is just contribute to a 401k and IRA, I'm not saying that's a bad thing by itself, but if that's all you're doing, you're limiting your options come retirement. And that's Big not time. even to take into consideration all the volatility you're exposing yourself, not just until you get to retirement, but living through the rest of your days exposed to all that volatility. So to have an asset that is completely uncorrelated from the market that gives you all these additional options, why would you not add this to your overall portfolio of what you're doing? Why would you not make this a part of what you're doing to protect your um, income against you know, you prematurely dying, uh, to have a rainy day fund, to have an opportunity fund, you know, all the things that we're talking about, hopefully this is becoming clearer for you. Why the, this strategy, why people gravitate towards it once they learn more about it, because once, once you go down this rabbit hole with IBC, you, you really come to understand why, you know, this is a no brainer. And we hear people say that right. quite often. But right. you got to go down that rabbit hole and you got to, yeah. you know, you have to be responsible for doing the the research and the study and, and reaching out to authorized advisors like the both of us so we can answer your questions, so we can show you how this works, how you'll have more options. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a 
because of the actuarial nature of insurance and the flip side of insurance, which is annuities, it works on the same principles. What you get from that is a higher distribution rate. So uh, the only thing people think about in when they're doing retirement is how much, what's my, what, how can I get the biggest rate of return to create the biggest account? But once you get there, it's not about your big account. It's about your big income. And that's what we need. And, and insurance products do a far superior job of, of higher distribution rates uh, on the same capital base. And so that's just a fact. And, and it happens again, because of the actuarial nature of the products. And so if you, and, and we're not saying rates of return are nothing, we're just saying having both will make things come out um, a lot. You'll have more income and you'll have way more certainty. And that, that so that's kind of, I think, hopefully wrapping up the passive income side. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, we have a note here that with IBC, you're automatically going to leave a guaranteed legacy. That's just the function of these whole life policies. It, it's a it's a guaranteed death benefit. And yes. that's specifically unique to whole life because any other type of policy that you you get, you, you're essentially just renting the death benefit. You never actually own any equity in the death benefit. So right. just by accepting a whole life policy, you are guaranteeing a death benefit to your beneficiaries. It's, it's part of the contract and it's unique only to whole life that you will own your death benefit. Any other type of contract, you are simply just renting it. And, you know, going back to the kind of, you know, the book, becoming your own banker, you know, in that book, he talks about thinking long range and, you know, the time period that he looks at, you know, he kind of compares how most people look at their, you know, uh, financial timeframes and they're looking in like 30 or maybe 40 year, um, you know, periods of like when they're working. And the minimum that he talks about on the book is looking at 70 years because now we're thinking about the next generation. And, you know, it's, a, I can't even, you know, I think you and I probably both started from scratch because we didn't have really a generational wealth kind of structure in our families, right? Imagine the imagine the incredible freedom that the next generation and the generation after that could experience if they didn't have to make decisions about what they're doing in life just based on money. You know what I mean? They could have and do and go after the things that they're passionate about and they want to have as a mission and not worry about the the financial repercussions, which would allow them to do the best job that they possibly could do, because it's all it's all about the mission at that point. It's not about how that money, how the money's coming in. And so, you know, it, it's a challenge. You know, new IBC practitioners have a challenge with that because, you know, we we our commissions are much lower than just a standard, you know, insurance agent that's selling straight whole life. And so we have to, you know, kind of sacrifice for a period of time, um, until, you know, we can build our businesses. And so, and that's a real thing. Um, you know, it's hard to do unless you've, you know, have some kind of thing that's already been saved up either by yourself or the generation before you. Um, and that's true of any, any profession. Yeah. Uh, you, you made that very real, uh, I, my, my family, you know, my dad was a butcher for 35 years. My mom was a cashier at the same grocery store. So a blue collar, all, you know, 
every every uh, phase of my life um, going into adulthood. Um, you know, my family's always drove the beater cars and, and, um, you know, thankfully we had a roof over our head and, um, enough to pay yep. the bills. Um, but when my dad passed away, you know, unfortunately he hadn't updated his death benefit. Um, and all he had was a $25,000, uh, death benefit to go to my mom. Um, and you know, it, it just, it, it wasn't enough. It was something, but yeah. it, it, it wasn't enough. Um, so the, the offshoot of practicing IBC yes. is that you are going to have a policy with that guaranteed death benefit that you own and control, but also too, because of the function of how it's designed, it's going to help keep up with inflation because you have this paid up addition writer and as a practice, you're overfunding the policy to capitalize and what's happening. Not only is, is the cash value increasing, but you're multiplying the death benefit at the same time. You're increasing the death benefit over your lifetime. And mm -hmm. that's automatically going to put your family in a better position. I mean, I think about if my dad had started a whole life policy early on and contributed his premium, he wouldn't have had a static $25,000 death benefit paid out to to the family to my mom um it would have grown over time and it right. would have acted as a you know rainy day fund and everything else that we talk mm -hmm. about but man i think about you know can't go back but you think about what if you know what, what if you know they had learned a little bit more about uh, whole life policies and ibc didn't exist uh, as a as a strategy that was trademarked back then but even just doing a whole life policy my goodness um there, there would have been, um, I guess, a, an easier path and, and a lighter burden for, right. for my family. And I, I'm sure you can relate to that too. Yeah. And, you know, one of the objections that we'll hear, and, and you know, we're, we're actually kind of back on point one here, protecting your family against the loss of your income, but it's a, it's kind of, a, it all, like I said, it all is happening at the same time. And <clears throat> one objection I hear to that strangely is that people don't want to pass anything on to the next generation because they don't want to, they don't want their kids to be like trust fund babies and, you know, be kind of, you know, irresponsible and that kind of stuff. And that always surprised me because that's not an issue of just having money. That's an issue of how you're raising your kids. You know what I mean? So we're not like in the, the kid raising podcast uh, business here, but at the same time, it's like, you know, uh, th these are two totally separate problems. And, you know, when, I, I'm always a little bit stunned by that comment and I've heard it many, many times and that's, mm -hmm. that's why I'm bringing it up. And it's, it's just kind of like, well, okay, well, who is teaching your kids about the principles of money? You know, if it's, if it's not you and, uh, and, and you have no skin in the game to pass anything along to them. Um, you know, I was having a good conversation with one of my best friends yesterday who has a whole life policy. And we were talking about how people in their fifties tend to be, you know, pretty good, um, clients for us. And one of the reasons is because they've already done all the investing. And so they don't have that FOMO that like a 20 or 30 year old has that where they're like, I got to be investing and getting that rate of return. They're a little more open to other assets. And if you actually run a future value calculator on them continuing to contribute to their 401k versus stopping like right now and doing a future value calculator, you find out that those numbers aren't too different because it's all the money that they already have in there. That's doing, you know, the majority of the, of the growth work on the account once you're kind of in your fifties. 
And, uh, my, but my friend looked at it a different way. He said, um, he said, you know, you're, are you going to keep putting your money in here and how much are you going to get off of that money in your 401k from now until when you retire, what, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars or something like that. Like that's probably it. Whereas if you put this money into a whole life policy starting now, you're, you're going to create millions of dollars for your kids. And it's like, you know, at this point in your life, you, you're, most people are kind of thinking about their kids anyway, you know, maybe they're obviously thinking about their retirement as well, but you know, they're also probably kind of thinking about their retirement in a way that they don't want to be a burden to their children too, if they haven't saved enough by now. So those are problems that we work on, but it's like, you want this money to go in and create a little bit of money for you, or you want to put this money somewhere where it can create, you know, um, life-changing money and generational money for your, for your children. And I was like, ah, that's a pretty good way of thinking about that there, buddy. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. I, I think you bring up a, a great point. Uh, and what I think about there is, is the efficiency of every additional dollar for yes. those people that are maxing out their 401ks and, and IRA, especially in their fifties, cause you get a little bit more room to do so, but yeah. compare it to, you know, separating or segregating part of that contribution into a whole life policy instead. And how efficient are those extra dollars going into your 401k IRA compared to putting that, putting those same dollars after tax or pre-tax, depending on the situation mm -hmm. into a whole life policy. And you'll be really surprised. It's night in the numbers. It's crazy. Yeah, you're right. It, it is. It absolutely is. And, you know, and then, you know, going back to our guaranteed passive income, if, and then if you start running calculations on how much income that will provide you in retirement, it blows it out of the water. It's crazy how much, you know, it's always better to start early, but the people in their fifties are usually eat more open to it because they just, again, they don't have that FOMO and they're and retirement's a little more real for them. When, once they get in their fifties, they kind of see it coming a little bit more. So they can start to take it a little more seriously. So I love talking to guys in their 50s. It's the perfect time um, to really take a, a lot of this stuff seriously on this side of things. So we talked about the IBC problem of needing financing and all of these problems we're talking about today, we're just handling them at the same time, right? With no additional money. And so we're, we're, we're doing all this stuff and, you know, I'll save it for the end. Go ahead, John, hit the next one. So the next one is accelerating the payoff of debt. Yeah. Well, if you have access to capital and you're unfortunately in a debt situation where you're, you're paying high interest rate to traditional banks, well, this automatically becomes a, well, it, it automatically is a secondary um, place to source your financing. So you can look at your whole life policy and say, okay, well, should I continue paying 10, 12, 18, maybe even as much as 25% to traditional banks uh, because you know I've accumulated this debt for whatever reason? Or should I take a policy loan at five to 6% and pay off that debt? Mm -hmm. And even other strategies um, utilizing whole life to help you accelerate the payoff of that debt. So yep. th this is just, again, it, it's, it's another benefit to being well capitalized, to having capital in a strategic yes. location where you can get access to it, because this really isn't an option if, if you're doing the conventional 
financial planning, which is fund your 401ks and IRAs, and then lean on the banks um, yep. to, to, you know, bail you out when you're in a liquidity crunch. That's right. And, you know, um, one of the things with paying off debt is a lot of people will prioritize it and it's good, you know, to get out of debt. But a lot of people, I think, go a little too far with it. They take all their disposable income, they go to, to try to pay down this debt. And what happens is they don't have anything to fall back on if any if anything unexpected happens and they end up right back in debt. The, when if you can, you know, instead of prioritizing those other people's financial systems, yes, you're going to pay a little more interest, of course, because you're going to take a little bit longer to do it. But if you actually use some of the strategies that are available using whole life insurance, you will still pay your debt off faster. And when you're done, you'll have a bunch of money. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's you're going right. to have a bunch of money sitting in your cash value um, after you're done paying off that debt rather than paying it off and starting at zero. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's a massive difference in how that works. And I know John Montoya and I both have kind of systems that we work with to kind of help the process of using life insurance to pay off debt in a, in a correct manner. So if any, you know, cause what I've found is a lot of people, it's so daunting to them. They just, they see all this debt and they just can't imagine getting over it. And then when you introduce a process and they're like, Oh, I, how do I even do this? So I know we both have used different systems in the past to help help them have a process for doing this so they don't have to think about it too much and it just kind of happens. Yeah. And then of course, once you're out of debt, I mean, then we start to get to the good stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And so the, the last item that we had on our list, uh, is reducing or eliminating taxes and mm -hmm. pretty awesome. Whole life policies have been around before the IRS tax code was created in 1913. So, the 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 whole life product itself predates the IRS and yeah. um, the the solution and solutions that IBC and and specifically whole life uh, can help solve for uh, they they've been around seemingly forever you know certainly much longer than our lifetime going back uh, before you know our grandparents' lifetime um, mm -hmm. th this this is a solution and and the government recognizes this congress recognizes this and they've made provisions within the tax code to to really give us an option that unfortunately it for 99 of us it's hiding in plain sight because we don't recognize it as a place to park wealth and to help reduce our tax load um, or even to eliminate taxes uh really on the on the premium dollars that we're putting in there um but it's right there in the tax code and yeah. it, it's not a loophole. I mean, right. Congress knows about it, but you know, you, you have to see the bigger picture and realize what you can do with the whole life policy. And if you're thinking just solely, well, whole life insurance is, is for the death benefit. I agree with Nelson when, when he said that the worst thing that the life insurance industry did was calling this product whole life insurance because hmm it really confuses people into thinking that it's, it's all about the death benefit. No, it's not. The, the death benefit is attached to the contract to ensure that you're made whole, but there are these additional benefits and taxes, um, reducing and even eliminating taxes 
is one of the benefits of these whole life policies. Yeah. I mean, there's the, there's the, you know, the tax treatment of the, of the policy itself, which by the way, you mentioned it, it's not a, it's not a loophole just like you, you know, don't pay taxes. If you crash your car and you get a you know check from your auto insurance company, it's an indemnification. And so that's why there's no tax. There's nothing, you know, there's no loopholes. It's not sketchy. It's insurance. It's very simple. But then the strategies that are available to you when you have a guaranteed uh, cash flow at the end of your life are pretty amazing, especially from a tax perspective. You know, there, there are a lot of strategies to help, you know, reduce the tax paid on other assets. You know, we've talked about charitable remainder trusts on the, on the podcast in the past. You know, you can offset taxes and other things. You can um, reduce the tax on assets that are sold. Uh, there's, there are, you know, some strategies there. The other piece of it is when we're capitalizing and we do it for the purpose of going out and acquiring other income producing assets. So this is more for like the W2 employees out there. If you can start doing that and you acquire other assets that create a 1099 or any K one, whatever business income you have, it opens up a whole new world for you in terms of like tax deductions and reducing your taxes because you're now receiving a different type of income other than W2. Because when you're a W2, you really don't have any kind of your mortgage deduction is about the only thing you get as a W-2 employee. And so you pay the highest taxes out there. And so if you can start um, developing strategies in your life, which the only way you can do it is to get capitalized. If you can do it, you open up a whole new door um, from for your taxes from now until when you you die. So amazing tax benefits um, You know when you have whole life insurance in, in your life as part of what you're doing. I wanted to, so I, I said I would save it for later. You mentioned here, our next bullet point is kind of like the, you know, whole life is uh, uh, very much like the Swiss army knife um, of the financial world. And you could probably find it out there if you Google it, like a, an asset comparison or something. But, you know, uh, John and I have maybe shown this on a, on a webinar before, but there, you can find charts out there that have like the checklist that compare all the different types of assets. And you can compare stocks, 401k, IRA, Roth, bonds, municipal bonds, you know, CDs, like the list goes on, compare all of them. And then, uh, you know, graph or, you know, create a chart of all the features of all of those, like the tax status, the growth rate, the liquidity, all that stuff. Whole life insurance is the only one that checks every single box on the comparison charts. And the only one that sometimes people don't check is the quote unquote good rate of return, which is by the way, also a myth, I think, because if you actually analyze the tax adjusted rate of return of whole life insurance, it's completely respectable. Um, and so it's the only one that checks all the boxes. Just think of your perfect investment, whatever that is. And again, life insurance is not an investment, but if we were to just say, think of your perfect investment, what are all the features of that? guarantee you whole life insurance is the only one that could check every single box that you come up with. Yeah, absolutely. And so to that end, we also want to acknowledge that whole life as great as it is, and we've just given you a pretty good list of all the, all the problems, financial problems that we come up against in our life and how whole life will help you. 
Well, let, let's also uh, realize that whole life cannot do everything, right? right. It's not, it's it's not perfect. It can't. Um, as an example, um, it's not going to compete with actual investments because it's not an investment, right. as you hit on. Um, also, too, look, you still have a need for a checking account, right? Just because we're solving for the the replacement of a traditional bank doesn't mean that we're we're creating a new type of checking account with your policy you still need to work with your traditional bank and have a a checking account uh, because you need to pay your bills and you need to do that on a monthly basis so ibc is not for paying for your groceries We, we get some people that are interested in ibc and they're like you know how can i do this so i can start paying my bills well, no, that's not what IBC is for. So um, IBC is, a, is an incredible strategy, but you, you got to look at the bigger picture. It's not for um, short-term thinking, like paying your bills and using right. it uh, as, a, as a primary checking account because there is no checkbook access from your policy. When you take a policy loan, that, that money is going to either be mailed out to you or uh, more efficiently, it's going to be dropped into your checking account. So it doesn't replace that that uh financial function in your life but we're not trying to do that we're we're trying to think much bigger than that yeah we're becoming our own banker not becoming our own bank right so you know that that has caused maybe a little bit of confusion out there the whole banking thing but we're we're taking over the banking function we're not truly becoming a bank where you can do all of the you know day-to-day stuff that you need an actual bank for so um, it's really about, again, controlling the financing that you're going to need throughout your life. It's not about, you know, paying for your groceries and your all that stuff. Okay, well, this was a, a good episode. I think uh, we can wrap it up here. If uh, you have any questions and you want to uh, find out a little bit more about how, how IBC could work in your life, uh, specifically, you can head over to thefifthedition.com. And right there, you can schedule an appointment with one of us, no obligation, free, 30 minutes. And uh, we can talk about you if you're one of those people that likes to learn a lot and do research before you talk to anybody. There's a a 50% discount to our online course right there at the top of the page at thefifthedition.com. Cool. All right, John. Thanks. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, Let's start solving more problems for people. Absolutely. Take care, everyone.